For every 100 job openings, there are 60 people to fill those 100 openings. This summer we have 13 interns across the company. Big on references, spend a little bit of time out walking fields, understanding more about If you're that person who doesn't have ag background, that's okay. You can still... Welcome to the MFA Made for Agriculture podcast. Here are your hosts, Adam Jones and Cameron Horine. All right, folks. Well, welcome to another episode of the Made for Agriculture podcast. My name is Adam Jones. Um, today, we've got uh, somewhat of a hot button topic, not just necessarily in the ag industry, but really all across um, uh, the workforce, across Missouri, Iowa, Kansas, all the places that, that we cover as, as MFA. Uh, we want to talk a little bit about career opportunities. We want to talk a little bit about recruiting and retention, um, kind of how we as a company value our employees and and promote them from within and promote them from the outside. Uh, so I have a really good team of folks around the table with me today. Uh, all aspects of our business from retail to, to sales to some of our HR folks. And uh, before we kind of get started in this discussion, I want to kind of go around the table and let them all introduce themselves and, and give a little background on their position, their role within MFA and, and kind of how that relates uh, to, to our discussion that we're about to have today. So. I'm going to go left to right. Not that that means anything to anybody listening, but it does to you, Matt. So uh, we've got Matt McMullen, a a district manager here. Uh, So Matt, go ahead and and give us your background. Yes, I'm Matt McMullen. I'm District 5 manager, uh, kind of the operations side of the business in the central part of the state. Gotcha. So how long have you been been with MFA for 17 years? Gotcha. Okay. And then how many, so how many, if thinking of our retail locations, how many of those retail locations kind of fall under your umbrella? I have 11 locations in my district. Gotcha. Okay. Perfect. Well, thanks for being here, Matt. Appreciate it. So next we got Stephanie Shoemaker. Um, Stephanie, you want to go ahead and give us your, your role with MFA? Yeah. Um, thanks, Adam. I am the HR director or the human resources director, and our group supports all facets of the business. Uh, whether it's retail, sales, home office, uh, transportation, all of the all the different divisions that we have, uh, we support them in hiring, engagement, payroll, all all parts of the anything that has to do with our people. That's what uh, we try to help take care of. And just to give folks a little scope, how how many employees are we talking um, from our organization as a whole that covers everything that you just mentioned? So there are eight on the HR team, and then we have four in benefits. Okay. So. Okay. And you guys all cover all of us, which correct. the us is how many for MFA? 1,600-ish right now. Okay. Yeah. It's a bunch. That's yes. kind of why I wanted to make sure I pointed yeah. that out. <laughs> there's yeah. like one or two of you, and there's a whole bunch of the collective that, us. That is that is correct. We have a, It's actually the most since I've been with MFA. Our okay. headcount is highest, and... That's been, I've been with the company for about a year and a half. Gotcha. So uh, a little over 1,600 is, is, is a great number right now. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, appreciate you taking the time to be with us this morning, Stephanie. Yeah. Um, next up, we got Scott Morfeld. Scott, go ahead and introduce yourself. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Adam. So Scott Morfeld, um, training and recruitment. So my role is um, very versatile, everything from recruiting to uh, training across the company, when it comes to recruiting, I manage internship programs as well as do any active recruiting on campuses and um, and then work on the training side, whether it's online training or in-person training. 
Gotcha. Gotcha. We'll circle back to lots of that, but um, <laughs> we'll move on for now. Uh, next up, we've got two district sales managers. So I've got Matt Hill and, and DJ Valrath. So you guys go ahead and introduce yourself and give a little background. Yeah, thanks, Adam. Uh, Matt Hill, district sales manager, uh, East Central Missouri. Uh, so that uh, puts me kind of on the along the I seventy corridor from like Columbia East towards St. Louis. Um, I have about twelve direct reports on the sales team, and then uh, work with about uh, eighteen retail locations in my territory. So it gives me the opportunity to interact with uh, all the folks associated with those operations. Uh, you know, on kind of a day-to-day basis. And then uh, duties also uh, put me in contact with, with all the support divisions, uh, all the wholesale divisions and and uh, the agronomy department and all the SER and everybody else kind of associated with keeping things going in that territory. So, um, uh, you know, kind of puts me in a spot as far as uh, recruiting and retention to interact with a lot of different uh, folks at, at a lot of different job titles and, and work duties and locations. Uh, and also uh, kind of witness some of the struggles that come along with, um, you know, the challenges of having open positions uh, a lot of time or, or uh, trouble filling, you know, jobs and those kind of things. Yeah, so I'm DJ Valrath, District Sales Manager for West Central Missouri. So kind of uh, cover 63 Highway um, West back to Kansas City. Um, work with 12 agronomy sales folks, um, two specialists and couple livestock um, sales focused uh, employees as well. So gotcha. kind of same challenges and uh, connections that, that Matt Hill listed before and um, work closely with uh, Mac McMullen that you heard from first here too, because cover north part of his district on the sales team. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. DJ and Matt appreciate you guys being here too. I, I, I think, um, I think with everybody around the table, uh, everybody's going to have some nice relevant field experience with with pretty much any issue that, that we're going to come up with and uh, in our discussion today. So I appreciate all, all you guys being here. I, w- I want to kind of kick this off or, or start it. I, I think the most logical place would be kind of um, just kind of a little catch up and, and Scott or whoever wants to take this can can run with it. I'm a little catch up on uh, where we're at in the labor market. I know I, I feel like from the outside looking in, you know, we kind of had a big pivot um, o- over COVID, right? Uh, that that's kind of went from a, a medical disease to now a time period. When you say COVID, everybody's like, okay, well, no, no exactly what time period you're talking about here. Um, so, but uh, definitely became kind of a hot button issue during that and, and kind of where are we at and where's, where have we been as far as um, a labor market kind of in, in that zone, Scott? Yeah, so um, the labor market is still tough. Like just because COVID is over, doesn't um, it doesn't instantly change things. I think, you know, we're still ironing out some wrinkles that we that we found during COVID. Um, now it's it's getting people and retaining those folks. So um, I think for a lot of our roles, we're still we're still struggling to find that right fit. It's hard for us because of the the nature of the work that we do. We don't just want a body. We need somebody who has an attitude and and willingness to to do the role and to to be trained for that. So those people are hard to find. And we're competing with other folks in the in the same industry for you know for those people. So um, I think what helps us stand out and be unique and different is what we can offer our folks uh, versus the competition. So um, being able to offer those sort of intrinsic things, culture, and and some benefits outside of that that really make us valuable as an employer. Yeah, 
Yeah, absolutely. Matt, from your perspective, have, have you kind of seen that transition as far as, um, you know, I know there's been some wage inflation, things like that that have happened kind of in the background of the labor market, but kind of have you seen some of that major pivot since COVID or, or do you feel like it, this is more of a long-term thing that, that we've been dealing with, um, but less than, you know, just a couple of years old? Yeah, sure. There's, I mean, there was a definitely a hot time with COVID where it was extremely hard to find replacements. Um, you know, it's gotten better, but yeah, it's still a long-term struggle. Yeah. Find the right person, <clears throat> the right applicant that wants to do the job. Sure. And geography plays into that for us as a company too. You know, we're employing folks all over the state of Missouri and um, you know, Eastern Kansas, Southern, I, not real high populated areas of, uh, you know, kind of social, uh, oh, interactions, yeah, interactions, <laughs> if you will, or it, it's, it's hard, it's harder geographies, I guess, to get external people to move into, um, some of those smaller communities. I feel like that, that kind of affects things as well, um, from, from our aspect. Yeah. The other thing too, Adam, as you think about, uh, the need to, you know, this job is in this place. And, and, uh, most of our positions, we, we really need people that are physically present at the job site, uh, to run a piece of equipment or, or to manage a warehouse or a grain facility or, or a location, something like that. And, uh, you know, there's been, um, the, the COVID uh, era, um, accelerated a, a lot of, uh, work from home, uh, Zoom meeting type opportunities, and uh, do we have some of those? Sure, but it, it's very limited just because of the nature of the business, and and you know we got to physically be present to carry out the work. So uh, that seems to have uh, skinny down. Uh, if if somebody is has work from home is a very high priority, uh, that's a challenge for us. I feel like. Yeah. Yeah, definitely a little bit. And and I think companies have, have kind of reflexed back in a little bit of the opposite direction on some of that. There's there's still a lot of remote work out there, but it's hard to, I feel like one of the things that really stands out from, from my experience here at MFA, which is, I guess, pushing, working on five years at this point, um, is kind of really that team aspect and um, knowing almost everybody, 1,600 employees, like, um, certainly don't know them all, but gosh darn it, I think we all know a lot of them if they walk through the door right now. And um, that's really, really hard to build that. If you've got the background, it, you, I feel like you can retain it to some degree in a remote position, but, uh, but boy, to build that from the ground up in a fully remote work environment and feel like you're really part of a team, um, like I feel like we all do sitting in this room, is really a struggle. So. Yeah, great point. I, I feel like to some extent with our teams that have been in place, pre 2020, um, we're just now getting back to kind of re regaining that, yep. that strong team, uh, atmosphere and culture. Cause you know, when you didn't see each other and if you worked at two different ends of the district or the region or the, or the state, uh, you know, we went to like a lot of people we went for long periods of time where we didn't have in-person meetings and, uh, kind of, it's just hard to maintain that same type of bond through text messages and, yeah. Zoom meetings. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, it absolutely is. To your point, Matt, I think it's an opportunity though. I mean, really we, you know, we serve the the farmer and so being able to interact with the producer daily is, is what we do. That's who MFA is. And so um, to not have those people there frontline to do that, um, I think is 
a disservice to to the people that we serve, the customer that we serve. So um, I think there there is benefit to having those people in those right spots. Yeah, bet. So. I- no, go ahead, Stephanie. Sorry. No, I also think that you know when you talk about uh, the you know the team atmosphere and culture and supporting those producers, um, you know, as at the home office, that's our that's our role. We have we support those that support the producers. So staying um, in office or staying uh, open open to uh, coming back to the office has been really a a critical move and we still have flexible uh some flexible remote work but um, you can you can definitely feel the difference as folks are spending more time um in meetings in what you know in-person meetings in-person events and uh it, it sure is it sure is nice to get to socialize and and see each other face to face again yeah yeah for sure um, I work from home once in a while too, Stephanie, and the ice cream truck never rolls up in my driveway either. So you got, I'm always jealous of those emails I get for the, for the home office. I was like, wish I was working there today. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so Scott, um, going to kind of from your position I, and I feel like the, just kind of the industry's view of, of that recruitment position just in the last few years, it's just like, you're the guy now, right? Um, I, I know that's how we all feel in this room, but no pressure, right? Uh, but, uh, but tell me kind of what, what's been working or, or kind of some things that you've tried that, that really have worked, you feel like have, have gotten us as a company or have gotten our name out there and, uh, in, in maybe some different circles or um, just, just some things that maybe are working from the recruiting aspect. Yeah, what an opportunity to think outside the box and then implement some of those things that maybe, you know, pre-COVID were sort of unconventional and and um, you'd have to have a large team of people to, to do some of those things. So one of the things that we found has been really valuable for us is in-person hiring events. So we've been having those all over the state and and even, you know, at some of our locations um, outside the state lines. But it's really given us an opportunity to, to meet people where they are geographically and then also um, allow them to come into some of our locations. So if they're not familiar with who we are as a company there, it allows them to see the location and to visit with some of the some of our people that already work there. And those people are passionate about what they do that, you know, those folks that work at locations. So it's important for us to, to allow candidates to you know, to, to see that working environment. So I think that has been beneficial to us. The other thing that we really have, I think have seen a, a real good return on is social media, being active on social media, advertising roles there. And really, uh, you know, whenever I'm on the road traveling to career fairs or in-person hiring events, uh, that is really where I showcase exactly what I'm doing from week to week. And so if somebody, you know, wants to see exactly you know, where the, the MFA recruiter is going to be, social media is the best place to, to capture that. So if you're not following us or liking us, do that on social media and then and then share those opportunities with folks that um, that, you know, may be looking or if you have a friend that isn't looking, that's an that's an opportunity as well. So I think some of those things that, again, we, you know, maybe didn't look at as closely pre pandemic, we're visiting those opportunities again and really um, doing very well with them. Yeah. Yeah. And people want that kind of personal, there's just, there's no replicating the face-to-face interaction, right? I mean, um, 
we all we all are you know on social media um whether in the back of your head you want to be or not you, you almost have to be anymore just to kind of keep up with things but um but like you mentioned the in-person stuff where you're you're physically interacting with that person or um just having somewhere local that you don't feel like you're putting your application into some giant never never land right that you never hear back from ever again um and, and um you know with with us we're a local enough entity that yeah you can absolutely walk in the door or you put in an application like we're gonna give you a call you know like fairly quickly that's just who we are and what we do so and i think that becomes the further we get out from the pandemic that becomes more and more important you know candidates and and even you know we as a team of people we want to make sure that folks understand that you know that we're interested in them and their talents and so um, it is important for us to get back with candidates quickly. On the average, you know, a candidate will submit their application, not just for us, but across the board. And if they don't hear from somebody within 24 hours, they've moved on. So that's that's fast. So that we have fast. to be quick as a, as a company to, you know, have a touch point with them, with those candidates to let them know that, um, that don't move on just yet. We're interested in you uh, type of thing. And, and sometimes it's, that's a learning curve when you haven't done that a lot in the past to, to implement that type of procedure. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Right now, the state of Missouri has, uh, for every 100 job openings, there are 60 people to fill those 100 openings. So that, that's some stiff competition. Yep. And when Scott says they're going to move on, they're truly going to move on because there are 40 open positions that they can check into. So... Yeah, that, that response time is is really, really important. Yeah, it's a pretty sobering statistic that, that you threw out there as far as um, what we're looking at from, from our part of the country. Um, and some of that kind of stuff really doesn't hit national headlines, right? I mean, it's just, um, but I feel like the, the center part of the country, there's a lot of states adjoining. I mean, there's a lot, there's a fairly big zone that I feel like is 100% that way. I mean, it, the, the demand far outseeds the supply of, uh, of really good folks. So yes. I don't think we could ever get enough of them. It doesn't seem like so. Um, so maybe like kind of the further out in the, in the scenario, you know, I've, I've noticed we get summertime here in MFA. We uh, noticed a bunch of interns running around. I know you kind of um, oversee that, that project as well, Scott. So, so tell me a little bit about those internship opportunities. Yeah. So um, this summer we have 13 interns across the, um, across the company in the Ag Experience Internship Program. So that is not the only internship program that we offer over the summer. We do have a crop track internship program as well. And what makes them different is uh, the crop track internship, those students really uh, are shadowed and it, the, the focus is more towards um, agronomy versus our Ag Experience Internship, which is overall business. So the Ag Experience students everything from sales to HR to accounting to credit and um, marketing. So those applications for students interested in, in an internship for next summer, so summer of 24, those, those applications will open September 1 and they close November 1. So there's a short window there and then we select those interns. Uh, they're selected by Thanksgiving break. So students will know by Thanksgiving break if they have an internship for the next summer. So. What makes that Ag Experience Internship Program unique and different from other internships is the fact that we want students to get exposure and experiences in all parts of the company. So if a student comes in and they're a sales intern, 
we're probably going to have them traveling with an agronomist, uh, key account manager or sales folks for, um, you know, for livestock and really put them in all parts of the company because, you know, that student is still learning. So we don't, we don't know where they're going to end up or what, what their specialty might be at the end of their, their educational career. So one of the things that we try to do is really strategically align the student's educational career goals and our goals as a company so that over that 12 weeks, they get a wealth of experiences and, um, and really they get to interact and network with a variety of people throughout the company. And that's beneficial to them too down, down the road. Yeah. So Matt, DJ, um, well, both Matt's and DJ, um, you guys have, I know have interacted with, with a bunch of these folks over the years and, and this year as well. Um, do you guys want to give, give kind of a little, uh, just summary of some of the interactions, some of the things that you've been able to expose those internship folks to? Yeah, Adam, I think from my, my perspective, I've had four in of the, uh, of our interns before, um, and some of the, the two things or two of the goals I always had for the intern coming into it, and I think they align a lot with what Scott had to say there, was um, really having a good experience, one, was was key to when I had an intern, I wanted to make sure they had a good experience because regardless if they came back or wanted to work for MFA, I wanted them to go back to their friends, to their family, and have good things to say about MFA. Uh, so maybe that would go back down the chain and, and catch somebody else to get you know, a qualified person to either take a second look at us as a company or for an internship or, or a position. And then the other thing was about alignment, right? Are we going to prepare or expose this person that is brought in um, for the summer uh, to get them enough touch points or feel out there on what they want to do and what they can get better at so they truly know what they want to do and can do for our company and move in and be driven and excited about what they're doing. I mean, those are the things... Um, when I thought about an internship, uh, were important to me. And I, I think of the four I'd have, I think, you know, at least three of the four would tell you they got that done. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> hopefully they That's had a good, good hopefully they had a good, uh, <laughs> a, a good time and, uh, and enjoyed and got some good exposure because something too, I noticed with interns or, or young people in general coming in, they have a very limited view. Like you said, they don't know what exactly MFA does, what all we touch, right? They're always uh, just kind of, a lot of them are blown away by yeah. the different things we touch and, and engage uh, our producers on. And and that's just, it's it's big to open their eyes up and see what those opportunities can be um, for the company. Yeah, and I, Adam, I was just kind of jotting some things down here as DJ was talking that, that uh, you know, interns have kind of got to do or been a part of in the past and, you know, uh, Scott mentioned the the, the uh, crop track interns, but but even the ag experience interns usually spend a little bit of time out walking fields, understanding more about the physiology of crops and the agronomy, technical agronomy aspects of that. Uh, I think that's kind of critical because at some point that's really kind of the base of, of what all goes on. Uh, you know, get to understand what all happens here at our home office. I mean, the kind of the the backroom processes and support here is 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 really incredible. Uh, I think, you know, as we, as we think about the resources and experts we have uh, in-house and they get to interact with a lot of those folks and we're talking like director, VP type level level folks um, end up attending some pretty high level like strategy meetings and get, I think, some pretty pretty unique insight to uh, some of the, the discussions going on to kind of, you know, end up ultimately touching or directing the, the 
company uh, strategy, um, you know, retail locations, uh, sales trainings. Um, and then, you know, there's like, a, actually this year just got, was this week, but, uh, or last week, but the forge tour, like where, uh, everybody from, from, uh, you know, the company is invited down and they, they do some, some training and kind of, uh, but, you know, opportunity to interact with two or 300 staff, you know, just right there in one, uh, one spot. So, uh, like I said, we try to get them as much, uh, exposure to the, to the people and the, and the aspects of the company as possible. But you want to talk about the opportunity of these folks that get into whenever they do this internship. You know, I would have liked to have had this kind of opportunity whenever I was getting ready to come to the company. You know, you get to take a look, an in-depth look at every different angle of the company, different managers, different opportunities to have. And you get to put a good target on, this is what I want to do. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of other times with me, I figured out along the way. Yep. You know, we're going to get the driver's seat. We're going to see where it takes us. But yep. this, I mean, you have a target. Just lay out a roadmap. I think it's an amazing opportunity for young folks to take advantage of. I've seen exactly what you're talking about, Matt. And I, I completely agree. That that diversity of experience uh, that that you guys all are, are great at giving those people. And um, Just think of a high school kid. Think of yourself as a high school kid or an early college kid. You know, you're... You're from a fairly local area. You have a fairly localized viewpoint on the company as a whole, or heck, even the industry as a whole. Um, and just being able to step outside your comfort zone in in certain places and and get to see what's going on out there, yeah, it could change the course of what what they think they may want to do, you know, um, in the future. So, good stuff for sure. So kind of the next step past that internship program is is obviously when these folks, um, whether it's an, an ex-intern or or anybody actually, you know, applies for a position and uh, within the company. So um, I'm interested to hear from from your all's perspectives. Um, what are you looking for? I know, you know, there's a lot of folks in rural Missouri, you know, she mentioned, Stephanie mentioned the, the kind of uh, over demand for people, right? I, I think... Um, if, if you look in agriculture, I feel like, you know, those were Missouri numbers. I feel like if you looked at agriculture, it, those that stat may be even more skewed just because there's just not a plethora of folks running around out there with with deep uh, rooted ag backgrounds um, like there once were, right? The, our on-farm population has continued to decline, uh, whereas our need for quality folks is, is maintained or increased. Um, so when you're looking at kind of experience level or, or what are you guys looking for when, when you kind of see an application kind of come punching through the system, um, what's kind of the first thing that crosses your mind or, uh, what are you looking for in that application? Or when you talk to that person, what are you looking for? Interested in your all's thoughts on that? You know, from operation standpoint, I, you know, a qualified, skilled, well-trained individuals. Great. But you don't always have that. Um, something that really stands out to me is, you know, a good work ethic, personality, and attitude. If you have the right attitude and right personality, we can we can work with you and teach you the rest. Um, those things are hard to teach. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's that's a good starting point there, and what really attracts me for applicants. Right. Yep. Same. Like, yeah, when you have that kind of interaction, even over the phone or something like that, that stuff comes across almost immediately yeah. um, as far as those things. And 
Um, I'm glad to hear you say that, Max. I tell my kids that all the time. Like, <laughs> if, you, if you could learn one thing, right, uh, have the right attitude. Um, but uh, what about you guys as far as what you're looking for? Yeah, I think from my perspective, I've always had kind of the top two, and these don't show up on the resume. Um, so I'll talk about that as well. But, you know, it's that drive and, and then willingness uh, to learn, right? If, if, they're, if they've got those two characteristics, right, if we're talking about somebody that doesn't have a lot of bag background, well, you've got to be hungry and want to be able to learn. So that's really important for me. And then I just can't, I, I have not, maybe Matt or Matt, uh, you guys have figured it out or somebody in HR might know um, how to teach drive, but I, I just don't think that's something you can teach. Right. So um, that's the other thing. Is this person given that I'm hungry, I want to I want to go out and get it? Because particularly for me, looking in a at, at sales role, I'm I'm you know they're working a territory and area, and I'm not there to babysit every day, right? They've right. got to they've got to help manage themselves. Um, so that's really important uh, for me. And then when I'm when you talk about it as a resume, one I guess I would hope over time I've accumulated you know multiple people uh, resumes and contacts in the areas that um, can give you good. Uh, folks to reach out and recruit for. But um, as far as when you get a resume coming across your desk, some of the things, key things I look at, I think they'd be similar to a lot of folks in this room, but folks that aren't jumping around a lot, right? If I'm seeing lots of different, you know, um, uh, positions over uh, a tighter period of time, that's always a red flag for me. And then um, I'm big on references. That's something I've uh, evolved um, over time, it used to not be um, as big a deal. I did look at their history, you know, how much, uh, what, what kind of jobs they had. And that kind of, at the end of the day, it's people business. And what does this other person have, good or bad, to say? And generally, the references are very honest, right? They're, they're not sugarcoating anything. So that's, a, that's big for me. And uh, the other piece, you know, and you got to be open and honest with that candidate. Um, if they want to, you know, they tell you what their expectation is, you know, coming into MFA as far as are they look, looking to be in that position for a certain amount of time or not, right? Because I'm looking for somebody not to jump in 12 months. And so do they want to be in that area? That's been a key question I've had to ask, uh, ask the candidate. And we just got to be honest with each other, right? Because uh, as you know, turnover in a relationship business is just not not a good thing. So right. making sure we align on where that person really wants to be or that general area, um, is, those are all been critical uh, for me, I think, in building success with keeping people, not say they can't advance, I'm not saying that, but are you going to want to be and really learn and, and uh, grow in that position or that area for a while, be part of that team that we talked about uh, earlier. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I completely agree with that. And yeah, it, it's, um, I think being honest, you know, kind of with each other about where that person may, may find a fit to, you know, kind of within the organization. And, um, I know we've pulled, we pull a lot of people up from, uh, somebody who may have, gosh, came on as a counter sales or heck of warehouseman or something like that. You know, it's, it's pretty easy to see, especially once they're on the ground in a, in a role, um, Maybe maybe Matt likes to not keep us DSMs around walking around the warehouse that much for some of those things, but but we can pick out pretty quick like, hey, this person's got a lot of potential. Right. Um, how do we help drag that pull that person upward? Yeah, and something we uh, you know Matt and Seth, my district managers, work with in my area. Uh, 
you know, I've asked them to be on if I've got serious consideration of multiple candidates for them to sit in on those interviews yep. as well. And I'm upfront with the candidate, you know, that's coming. Hey, I know you applied for this sales position, this key account manager position, um, but I've got Matt here as well because, um, and I've had agronomy folks, agronomy team members sit in as well. Reviewed your resume. You might have a fit elsewhere if it's not a fit here. Oh, and, for sure. And, and that's that's been that's been really yeah. key, I think, in helping. For sure. Because I mean, how many positions do we have posted kind of on on the daily, right? I mean, it just depends on probably hundreds right now. I would say or close to it. Yeah, we have about 170 posted okay. this morning. Yeah. So. so as of today, about 170 positions, right? Which one did you click on and actually go in there and upload your resume and decide to apply for, right? Um, there's a lot of those situations that, uh, that, yeah, it may definitely a fit for the company, maybe not for this individual role and, and, and how do we do our jobs as far as getting that person in the right seat. And it all goes back to what we said earlier, right? What's that person's view of the company, right? Is it limited? Do they think this role is something that's not or right yeah. for you? Right. That's why we're there yeah. to help through that process as well. Yep. Yeah. Great. Great transition there for me, DJ, because I wanted to talk a little bit about um, how we do some of that um, moving people around as far as, um, you know, pulling them up the chain and um, recognizing some of that talent. And a lot of that comes from our ability to, to train that person or to give that person kind of the background in the company. So I don't know, maybe, Scott, you want to kind of give us the high level of, of how we do on typically on kind of the on the job training um, to a lot of our folks who, who may come in as fairly a, as a fairly entry-level job. Sure, yeah, so as we kind of see the the population of folks, candidates that we're looking at have less and less ag background than they did previously, like was we earlier discussed, um, we've got to have something in place in order to bring those folks on and give them adequate training. You know, a lot of what we do is in agriculture is um, safety-based, so we want everybody to go home at the end of the day and, and go back to their families. So. Um, in order to do that, we've got to have a plan in place. So it doesn't matter who comes in, in what role, uh, they're properly trained safety and, and technically wise. So if you're that person who doesn't have a technically heavy ag background, that's okay. You can still come work for us and we'll, we'll teach you the, all the parts, all the moving parts. And so having those things in place allows us to move folks uh, kind of promote them up the chain quicker. And I think we've got then more qualified people that understand the business at all levels. So the most important thing that happens in our business of agriculture at MFA happens grassroots at the location. Those are the folks that are really making an impact for the company. And so in order to for them to keep doing that, we have to make sure that they're trained properly. And then again, we can move them up the kind of up the ladder um, as appropriate based on uh, their wants and their needs, and uh, that aligns with the company's uh, kind of demand and, and what we need um, overall strategy-wise. Mm -hmm. I think when you really think about everything that just recently that, that Matt and DJ and Scott just said, we really need to think about transferable skills. Doesn't necessarily have to be heavy ag background, but. Have they been in a position where they need good organizational skills, good communication skills? Uh, would that person make a good bookkeeper uh, for us when we have that opening? Or is it um, anything internally or externally? 
can be considered a transferable skill. We just have to think a little bit more open-mindedly about it uh, and not always upward mobility, but sometimes lateral mobility is, is important to some of our folks. They may not want to leave their home area. So what can we do to keep them interested and engaged? And, and if they're getting um, bored at a position and they're not being challenged, how do we, how do we think about that and the skills that they have and, and what our openings are and what would be a good fit? So um, definitely I love the, the thought process of you guys interviewing together um, to, to kind of determine that, what's the best fit, what's the, what's the best way to go with this candidate. And that can be an internal or external candidate, either one. Mm -hmm. Right, and, and to build off of, you know, that, that continues to, right, to Scott's point, once we get that person on board somewhere, continuing to stay focused on um, opportunities for the folks that are already working here in whatever position, identifying some, some uh, that, they, that they've got a high ceiling or, or they've got, uh, you can tell they've got an interest uh, maybe in a different area and that if we don't find a way to, to kind of, you know, put some things in their, on their plate that, that uh, involve some more what they're maybe more passionate about, um, you know, we might end up losing a good person. And, and maybe we just, uh, if we don't identify that, we might. But I think we're doing a better job all the time of continually like looking at the pool of folks out there uh, and, and asking what, what are they passionate about? Are they enjoying what they're doing? Do they, uh, do they need to be, uh, do we need to look for, give them some different opportunities and exposure to either make sure that they, they stay engaged or um, get more skills that will help them work towards their, their career aspirations and maybe a different position. And, uh, make sure we keep these uh, folks that we spend, you know, a lot of energy uh, working with and, and training and, and things. Uh, make sure they stay on Team MFA. Yeah, like, you know, when I'm going around locations, I'm continually trying to visit with folks and trying to identify who are my up-and-comers, who is the next man up. Um, you know, number one thing that attracts me is a positive attitude. And you get somebody with a positive attitude, you know, not with complaint, but come to me with an idea, um, how we can do things better, how they can improve efficiencies. Um, you know, talk to them, find out, you know, what do you enjoy doing? What type of work you want to do? Where do you want to be? Like Scott mentioned, um, great things to try to, find the right things for each of our employees too. I think as we move further down the road away from COVID, we need to do a better job. And we, we are talking internally about what that looks like for succession planning. And, and it's a buzzword in HR. And, and I think it's, it's gonna kind of seep into all parts of all companies, but how do we take that next employee and really you know, they're, they're already a part of the company and part of the culture and part of the community. How do we elevate them to, to those next roles? And, and that's, that's an important part of business strategy. It's not just, it is about making money and it's about meeting the producer's needs, but it's also about how do we, how do we have that, that next group of people that can really take ownership and drive the business and be passionate about what they do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
you know, we've kind of seen that from just over time from either a salesperson or a manager, you've got that kind of key person that's part of the community, been there for 30 some years or whatever. It's like, well, eventually that person's going to retire and go home. Right. And where does our business go from there? And I think in some places that you can look where we've historically done an awesome job of kind of stacking up people underneath there that are just ready to and eager to take over. And there's other instances where that was the guy or that was the person for that community, you know, and you lost them and just, it leaves a 10 year void in, in the business that we're doing in that area, you know? Yep. So, um, we see the need from that, from a field aspect as well, for sure. Something that, and it kind of plays into that succession planning um, as well. Um, but something I've had to step back and think about too, um, I've been with the company, this will be my 10th year. And a lot of these folks, some of the folks on my team included, I've had a relationship with a big chunk of that time. Um, but I've kind of almost built uh, a, a, uh, mental image in my head that I've got this mature, developed team, right? Just because you've been here a long time doesn't mean they know what you know necessarily, right? Um, About the company or maybe the contacts within the industry. Um, And especially some of the folks that came on around that COVID or post-COVID time when things were a little wonky. Um, You know, we weren't even as a company or the industry, it wasn't necessarily MFA. Maybe MFA was plugging along doing uh, kind of what we normally did, but the industry when I say industry, some of our partners and uh, people that we buy and utilize product from haven't caught up to getting all their in-person things back um, in place. And so I kind of had to take a step back and look at my team of 14 folks. And I said, you know, how long have these people been here? What what have, what have they been able to engage and, and touch with? All of a sudden I go, I've had six people that have been in the roles less than 18 months, you know, out of 14. And so you kind of go, Mm, that's a little more eye-opening, and and I think it's good for any manager, any person that's working with folks, um, not only to be thinking about who could fill their shoes, but also you talk about challenging those people and what they've been exposed to, just taking a step back at several times a year, just going, where are we at, you know, with this with this team of people in general, and um, that's something that kind of I did, you know, earlier this year that kind of shocked me, you know, right? So, right. Yep. It, I mean, I always get that way, DJ. It's like you get kind of in the, in the grain of the day to day of, of, of trying to move the business forward. And, um, yeah, it's always a good thing to, to put yourself in the shoes of some of the team and, um, try to see what they see. So guys, uh, as far as, um, if somebody is interested in a position, I guess, or, um, I know we kind of have a, a referral system for our current employees too. Scott, I know you mentioned social media, uh, aspects, but, but how would they go about, or what's, what's kind of step one as far as, um, coming in the door to where we can, we can see that person. Yeah. So, um, if you are not employed by MFA, you can visit the careers portion of the website. That's where all of the current roles live. What's cool about that, um, kind of that web page is you can search by role or by location and it'll pull all of the careers up that are, are in that area. So that's for folks that aren't currently employed with MFA. If you're an internal can- candidate, you can apply through your employee self-service and the referral um, payout is $250 per, um, per individual. So great way to make some extra cash and send your friends and family our, our direction. But um, in those roles, I mean, you'll see different things throughout the, throughout the year. Uh, we heavily staff up in the spring. So 
probably January, February, you'll see you know a lot more rolls than you would this time of year, but um, there's a general application there as well. So if you don't see what you're looking for, fill out that general application. It will allow you to choose what role you're interested in or multiple roles and um, by lo location as well. So um, we've made it really easy so that we can find your application. Uh, you can always give us a call if you've applied and you're not sure that it went through. Give me a call and, and uh, we, can, we can take a look at it for you. But I think that, you know, submit that application and make sure that you've electronically signed it. Uh, that's where some of our candidates miss opportunities is, is making sure that you sign that application so it's valid from our end. And um, that's the best way to, to do that application. Yep. Awesome. Well, folks, what, what have we missed today? What have we not covered that, that you wanted to make sure you kind of mentioned as far as um, recruitment or, or kind of talking about the labor market that we're in currently? Or uh, is there anything that we didn't get into that we should have? I think the one thing I would uh, say, Adam, is just the willingness to change or adapt is just critical when you're when you're looking to hire folks. Um, I think sometimes, we, like you said, you get in that grind and you go, uh, you're just, you're busy day to day and, and, uh, you don't step back and go, what did I do different? Right. You just go, man, I'm not getting any applications for this position. Uh, but at the same time, I think we got to look at ourselves and go, have I done anything to help move the needle? Have I worked, um, with that, uh, local trade school or the career center or high school students, or have I engaged in the community in any differently to help drive anybody, um, towards MFA? or, you know, whatever interaction that might be. It looks different for everybody depending on your position, but um, that's that's something I think, you know, one one thing I that popped into my head when I was uh, talking this last year or two with, with younger folks was colleges were clearly coaching them through going through LinkedIn and being a part of that platform, something I was not a part of. Um, granted, it didn't uh, work for me, but I know that uh, you know, one of my counterparts was able to mm -hmm. pick up somebody through through connection they, that person made with me. And so yep. um, that's just one example, right? Um, but just willingness to change, or um, I think, is just key. And and asking yourself, what did I do differently to help drive somebody towards MFA? Yeah, it's a great point. I think I, I totally agree with what DJ says, and. The one other thing that I would encourage our hiring managers to think about is is really the why and, and why do you work for MFA or why did why did I come to work for MFA? Uh, and that is is really about the farmer and feeding the you know our communities and country um, and that to me spoke volumes. Uh, what what was important and and how do I have an impact? on something that is has purpose and has meaning and and that that was important for me and so i would encourage everybody to kind of think about why and and convey that to your that's kids. a great point and something that we do not hammer home often enough and just the fact that the industry the individuals that you work with our company is at the core of you know, small town Missouri or, you know, basically the small town Midwest. Um, I mean, we are not just a part of, I mean, just have always been a part of the community. And um, it, it's not like working for some tech startup or somebody, you know, going in and trying to capitalize on a bunch of profit from somewhere. I mean, it is, it is very physical and it is very at the core of the community. And 
Um, I, I think that that has a lot to do with um, the feeling that a lot of us get from uh, from coming to work every day. So that's a great point. I think one of the takeaways I have is, you know, we've got such a wide variety of opportunities within the company. Um, if you are looking to just get your career started, we're a great place. If you've been in ag or you've been a working professional for a long time, we're still a great place. And so don't miss out on an opportunity to change your life and, and, and start a new opportunity. Uh, the other thing is watch social media. I'll be in your community probably sometime in the near future. <laughs> and so um, uh, you can connect with me, Scott Morfeld on LinkedIn and uh, reach out with any questions. Let's connect and, and let's start a dialogue and talk about how a career at MFA may change your life. Great. And you guys got anything else? If not, I certainly appreciate you all taking the time to, to sit down and record this today. I think we got through some really, really good stuff. Um, so, so thanks again for that. And thanks again for everybody that took time to listen today. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening to Made for Agriculture. Email comments and questions to podcast at mfa-inc.com.